Welcome to Seducing Aliveness. So glad you could join us here on Blog Talk Radio. And I am Jen Halterman, one of your co-hosts, and my other, the other part of the show, the other hosting part of the show is Tamara Yonker. Welcome, Tamara, to the show. Good morning. Hello. Yeah, we're, we have been talking about hacking operating systems for quite a while, since show like 61 is what I show in my notes. And just the different operating systems that hold us in our orientation. And this week, even though it's all part of the self-worth and all of that, we are specifically focusing on drama, like the drama triangle, that, that system that is referred to in a lot of different modalities and about how we engage in drama by buying into this dance of, like, victim and hero and villain and it's what Hollywood's based on it's what stories are based on it's how we create drama and stay engaged in it so this week we're specifically focusing on all the different facets of that which is really fun and you just happen to show up for the victim show so welcome Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah I thought it might be um a good idea to just uh, talk a little bit about what the dra- drama triangle is, because I've known about this for many years. I have a psychology degree um, once upon a time. and uh, But there are still people out there who've never heard of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, will, I yep. will bring this up and I'll say, you know, talk about the drama triangle, and people are like, what's that? So I thought I would just yeah. real quick talk about what that is. Um, and, and some people mm-hmm. refer to it as the three faces of victim. And a lot of times, a vic- you know, people will say a victim is, a, is obvious. Like you can, you know, can see somebody who's playing the victim or acting as a victim or whatever. But sometimes the other two are not perceived as uh, part of the three faces of victim. So uh, there's a few different ways that they can be described. But one, obviously the victim um, or the martyr or the uh, someone who, you know, does a lot of self-sacrifice um, so then there's then there's actually the persecutor, which is the bully or the villain. There's different names for this, and then there's the rescuer, which is somebody who's um, the the hero or the helper or the caretaker, or um, so so there's different. We're going to be you know it's not just one way of looking at this. We really want to expand people's awareness of every role that, and and they, you know, you get on the on the drama triangle, and then you just do a dance where you're just constantly switching positions. You can shift from victim to rescuer. You can shift from victim to persecutor or victim, you know, villain. And um and the and the target, if if you're not having fun on the victim triangle, playing these different roles, because you might play one primarily, but it, it is quite frequent that we'll switch. In in one situation with um in one situation we might play the victim, in another area of our lives we might actually play the villain. Um, or we might actually swap roles in relationship with somebody where sometimes I play the victim and sometimes I play the villain or sometimes I play the rescuer and sometimes I play the persecutor. You know, it's like we, we do this dance. And so this whole week, I love that we're taking a whole week to dedicate to greater awareness about this victim triangle, these three faces of a victim, um, because we all do it until we don't. 
And and what I know for me was so in, invaluable was recognizing, number one, where was I doing this? And then, as Jen and I always talk about, having more choice and being like, oh, wow, I didn't really realize that I was playing this game. I was on the victim triangle. And then I got to ask myself, well, is this really what I want to create in my life? Is this really how I want to engage with others? Is this really how I want to engage with life? And then have a greater choice about whether I wanted to just get off, get off the triangle altogether, just stop the madness, (laughs) because for me it was madness, and choose a, a different way of relating, a completely different way of relating. So so um, we'll we'll talk about that more, but I just wanted to kind of give that that basic intro so people know what we're referring to when we're talking about this victim um, triangle, the drama triangle, the three faces of victim. There's not just one; there's three, and they mm-hmm. take on many roles. Right. I love that. Yes, and and that is the most interesting thing is I have taught this over the years and years and years and not just to adults but also in like the high school setting to classes and to youth and you know one of the listeners of my previous show Everyday Joy actually her daughter created her senior project based on this and took it to school oh, wow. and was teaching it and sharing it like this when you get it it is like a light bulb moment where you turn on the light and you can't unknow it once it's there Mm -hmm. but it's very fascinating how people take the interpretation of it and what they do with it so i've seen it be used as a weapon i've seen it be used where people be like oh you're playing victim right now and it's you know it's like this you're less than look at you playing victim and and then it be it kind of gets turned into a weapon and all these things and so what i want to say is as we dive into this week which is often we're giving it a week i agree Always know this, no matter who you see, because it's very likely as we talk about this, you will have awareness of players come drop into your your triangle. You'll see it unfold, okay? It's very natural to have that happen, to go, oh, I can see how this plays out. Oh, I can see how this plays out. Please understand that whatever is playing out externally in your life, that you can name the players, is the most beautiful reflection of what actually goes internally within you when you are playing this out inside of you. Because if we call it in on the, on the outside of us to experience, it means it's going on on the inside of us as well. So even though you might have some experience of that, you know, with, oh, this is how this plays out with so-and-so and so-and-so, Understand, they are simply filling roles in externally to show you what goes on in the inside, okay? So that's always my thing is get curious about, you know, this isn't about labeling and projecting at everybody else. This is about, yep, this is going on in my life, so guess what? It means that I'm playing it out inside. I just needed it to be outside so that I would see it. Because remember, what we have going on inside of us, a lot of times we wrap it up in a nice little cloak of invisibility so we don't have to deal with it. So that's my invitation, and I hear there's a little echoey going on on the line, and I just want to know if anybody else is hearing it. Um, yeah, just check in. <laughs> is there an echo? <laughs> I don't hear an echo from you, so uh, you sound clear and good to me. Um, okay. Okay. I, we'll I think that then. is 
so uh, crucial what you just said is to recognize that this is not about projection. So when you're having this experience of the dance on the triangle, it is an outpicturing, as you've said, of what's going on in us. So this is where people get into the habit of doing blame, right? Blame and projection, and you know we want to hack those things. We were we talked, I think it was last week about blame and shame and guilt. And um, the the thing is, getting off the triangle um, might take a while to recognize where you're playing the game. And uh, I know one of the things that I've shared before is that I was a closet victim. <laughs> Um, I judged my mother as being uh, the doormat, the pushover, the, um, like she was, she was weak and she, like everything that you would kind of describe a victim as, um, you know, my dad was the bully and my mom was his punching bag. Not physically, thank goodness. Uh, But he, you know, there was, there was, pretty much daily abuse and uh so so i looked at both of them playing on the on the triangle and just especially made my mother wrong for her you know like how come you never uh stand up to him and you just let him you know treat you this way and so forth and so on so i made it wrong which meant i couldn't be perceived by others as a victim so when I was out in public you know at my work or with other people I was playing the strong one because I didn't want to be weak like my mother but when I was alone in private and this was what was so fascinating to me when it finally when it finally was illuminated to myself that I was doing this in private that's where I would do victim that's where Eeyore came out and that's where I would just go into despair and resignation, and it showed up as depression. I mean, I I called it depression, but I didn't know at that time that I could look underneath what I was just blanket calling depression and see more specifically, oh, that's resignation. Oh, that's despair. Because when you get more specific about what it is, if you just put blanket depression on it, then it's like, oh, then I'm the I'm at the effect of the depression. I have the depression. I'm depressed. Yep. But when I asked more questions and I got really clear, I was like, oh, that's resignation. That's resentment. Resignation means I've given up on possibility. Resignation goes right along with despair. Tomorrow's going to be the same as today. Next week's going to be the same. The week after that, the month after that, the year. Like, nothing's ever going to change. Here's my Eeyore, see? And... um. <laughs> And and resentment, because I'm not choosing anything different. I'm not even believing that anything more is possible. So resentment, resignation, re- all of those things were what was really going on that I blanketed as depression and then just lived at the effect of the depression. So it's it's invaluable to ask some questions and begin to recognize that things can change if you want them to. But you have to want them to change. You have to want and desire a different experience than the one you're having, or it just keeps staying the same, because the only one who can change your experience is you. Although we love to make other people responsible for our experience or or hope or wish or dream or pray that they will change it for us, 
Yeah. Um, but that's all part of, this is all part of being on the triangle, right? I'm the victim. I'm helpless. I'm powerless. I'm hopeless. I can't do anything. Somebody has to do it for me. Or I'm the victim of the depression. And, um, <laughs> you know, like I look back on this now and I'm so grateful that I was willing to look at this, number one. Willing to look at this, willing to recognize where I was responsible for my experience and my depression, and actually begin to say, okay, I'd like to change this. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to see what else is possible. And so I did shift off the triangle, but I had to be very vigilant for a long time, and even still today, because it's a slippery slope to slide right back into when it's been your habit your entire life to play one of these roles on the triangle or all three. <laughs> so it's it's a matter of choosing off when I'm there and, and choose off and choose off and choose off again and choose off again and choose off again. And every once in a while, I notice myself in an old old habitual pattern, and I'll be like, oh, I'm doing it again. And it's usually victim that is um, the one that's a slippery slope for me because I lived there for so long. But I did it in private, mm. and that was the weird thing, is that nobody knew, not even me, because I was keeping it secret from myself, nobody knew that I was playing this role um, because I didn't want anyone to judge me the same way that I was so in deep judgment of my mother and her weakness. I could never show weakness. So it was interesting because, you know, we talked about way back many months ago when we first started um, intimacy, having intimacy with ourselves, and that creates trust in ourselves and trusting our own inner authority. And if I didn't want to appear weak, that also meant that I had to um, refuse and reject any, any vulnerability. Vulnerability meaning like being real with myself. And that kept me caught in the loop. Because I was, I was like, I mean, I had a boyfriend in my early 20s who called me an ice queen. And I was proud of that. I was <laughs> like, yep, nothing's going to get in here. Nothing's going to hurt me. Nothing's going to, you know, I mean, there was no willingness to be open. There was no willingness to, I just, I had to be, uh, I, I, I couldn't be weak, could be perceived as weak. So all of these things that I'm kind of describing I had to look at and be willing to shift. I had mm-hmm. to be willing to look at and choose differently and shift them and ex- and see what that new choices were going to create. Otherwise, I was going to stay on the drama triangle forever, and I just realized I didn't want to anymore. It, whatever whatever novelty that it had for me, whatever um whatever reward I was getting from it, the novelty of the reward wore off and I wanted off the triangle. Yeah. Yeah, it it's very interesting and I love when you share your awareness. Like you evolved from Eeyore to Ice uh-huh. Queen to doing it privately. Like I love that share because as you're sharing, there's also conversations in the chat room and all of this dynamic of people exploring and getting curious. And what I would say is one of the things that is required in fast in fact, you know shoots and ladders, how if you, as a kid, if you ever played that game, you land on the top of a, you know, a chute or a slide. And the moment you hit that, you went, 
and you slid all the way past all the progress you made, and you landed back at the beginning of the game. <laughs> That's a perfect example. The, the one thing metaphor. that will land your ass on the in the drama triangle is judgment. That is the fastest yep. way to get into the drama triangle. So if you are saying, how do I, how do I avoid this, how do I get out of there, but I see other people doing it, da, da, da. The moment you've judged anybody in their experience as powerless or wrong or you're better than or whatever your experience or whatever that is, the moment you do that, bam, you're there. Like that was the golden ticket. Congratulations. Welcome to the game. And that to me is one of the things that I watch people almost stutter step. Like, wait, what? Huh? Wait, huh? So (laughs) the invitation is, can you be curious? And allow your judgments to float through without grabbing onto them and turning them into a conclusion that puts you in the drama triangle of judgment. Because this is really where it is about, um, we just don't even know we're there until we realize it. And once you realize it, you can't unknow that. It can trick you, but really on the inside, the deeper side, you do have the knowing. And what plays out with the drama triangle, and Tamara talked about it, but I think that there's so many ways that this plays out, it's, it's good to revisit from different points of view, is being a victim, people see victim as weak. But actually, what is so interesting is how many people are playing victim by being strong. Victim is not a set role. Set. Nobody is set in a role. Nobody is always the victim. Because I tell you what, if you stop the flow of attention and the flow of rescuing and the flow of attack from a victim, you will see how quickly they will jockey themselves around the triangle to either villain or hero to try to reclaim the attention and the focus. Whether they have to go in and attack somebody for no longer giving them attention or whether they need to go and become superior to somebody and start trying to rescue somebody else who's a victim, who they say, see, I used to be a victim and now I'm not, and be the hero of them, which is actually really a villain because it's a superior role. Like, it is so quick how quickly we can scoop through the different roles of the triangle all because we are just jockeying for the – position that really gets us the attention that we are trying to create at that moment. Mhm. Yeah, and and I and I really want to emphasize again, um I might say this a lot this week because I I, I know <laughs> I can say this to people over and over and over again and it, it bounces a lot before it finally lands and I know it took me years to get this is that the one thing we refuse the most is taking responsibility for the experience that we're having. The one thing that it seems we refuse the most is taking responsibility for the experience we're having. And I want to I want to address what a comment that was put in the chat room, how do we change the experience and still choose life, love and relationships that hurt? No feelings are so much easier. And uh, that is a way that I that is a that is a kind of a mindset that I I think most people actually live in, and I certainly did. It was easier to just be the ice queen and not feel anything at all. And I had that encouragement from my environment that I was, 
growing up in um, where my dad didn't allow feelings. He was just like, he couldn't handle his own, so he couldn't handle any from the women around him. It was just like, nope, that's not allowed. So we all kind of learned to do something with those feelings because we couldn't show them in front of my father. And um, and so that was part of the, you know, the ice queen thing is just don't feel anything at all. It's just, like you said, it's safer. But what I realized is in getting curious many, many, many years later, because it really was the curiosity that started to shift all of this for me, was to recognize that everywhere I was – Every, everything I thought was the source of my hurt was not actually true. I was I was believing that the source of my hurt came from other people, primarily. And when I really looked at that, I realized that wasn't true. The source of my hurt um, came from the disconnection I had from myself. It came from everywhere I didn't have my back. It came from everywhere I abdicated my choice. It came from everywhere I abandoned me. So truly the only source of any hurt I ever ever experienced was me turning my back on me. And that includes making up stories. Every story that I made up about how somebody hurt me, how they did something to me. Every story I made up that related to me being a victim of someone or something else was the source of my hurt. It really never comes from outside, ever. And this is part of what keeps us on the triangle. If we believe that, if we project that someone or something is doing something to us and we're on, and then we end up as the uh, being the victim of that, someone or something is perpetrating this horrendous thing onto us that now I feel hurt about, that will keep you on the triangle forever. Because mm-hmm. once you, even if you maintain that point of view, even if you like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way to gather my own strength and power, and, and wonderful, right? I encourage everybody to do that. Please, em- empowerment has been something that's been important to me for um, decades. But what I realized is even if I empower myself, if I still believe in that mindset, then what you were just saying, Jen, then I, then I just switch roles. And I, I'm, I'm now the helper. I'm now the one that's going to go on and rescue everybody because I was like, oh, I, I know what it's like to be the victim, so I'm now going to go out and rescue everybody else who's, playing, who's mm-hmm. being the victim. And you're still on the triangle because you're still, into that, you're still buying into that mindset that hurt comes from outside, it does not. Now, I'm not going to say that we don't make an impact on one another, because we do. And there have been things that people have said to me or things that I have found out, and I'm like, ooh, that stings. That stings. Mm-hmm. But what do I believe about that that makes it something I'm now suffering from? Because there are things that will hurt, and then there's suffering Right? Like in a moment, I mean, I remember I shared this a while ago on the show. I remember when I found out that the guy that I was dating was pursuing another woman while we're dating. And I, I, he didn't tell me. Like, like the thing, it was all secret. This went on for several months. And then I, you know, he kind of confessed. And I was like, yep, that stings. Stings because I thought we had a relationship that, you know, where secrets weren't going to, you know, we were open. 
you know, he just didn't trust that he could actually be open about it with me. And so I was like, that, that definitely stings. Like finding out the, the truth of what's going on, that stings. But if I made up this whole story about how he did it to me deliberately and how, you know, it was malicious and blah, 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 like the story, the interpretation, the meaning that you apply, that is where we create the suffering. That is where we turn ourselves into a victim. So you can't be a victim without a story. And if you're going to maintain a particular mindset, like I said about how hurt comes from outside, then you can't ever get off the triangle. Because somebody is always responsible for your experience other than you. And this is the whole thing about like being taken advantage of. We talked about this before. You can't be taken advantage of without your consent. You can't be controlled. You can't be manipulated without your consent. So this is all why we continue our, why we continued on with this um, this topic into this week and and you know who knows beyond, because we really want people to have a greater insight into how we hold ourselves hostage to these mindsets to these stories, to these roles that we play, to the drama triangle, you're only going to get off if you want off. Otherwise, we just, you know, stay in the game. It's the game we play. It really is. And there's so many great, thank you all for those of you who put timestamps in the chat room so we can go back and find the nuggets of brilliance because Tamara had a lot in there. And so I'm really appreciating everybody for contributing to that. But here's what I I hear in what you're sharing is you are shining a light on all of the places and why it is that we are hacking, hacking all of these operating systems. Because here's something that I became aware of recently. If somebody has an operating system that they are blind to, they have, they've wrapped it, so tightly in that cloak of invisibility, it is not visible to them. They have no idea, okay? And their operating system is maybe shame, and they're walking through life. They're creating everything they create with, you know, shame. Everything that they're doing that anybody might want to tell them is wrong or tell them that they can fix or however it plays out on Drama Triangle is created from that person's operating system showing up with shame, And until the moment they themselves have actually hacked their own operating system of shame, they cannot see, they cannot become aware of anything about the shame because anything that is reflected back to them to try to, to support them or help them or fix them or whatever goes back through their same filter. Their same operating system of shame is what they hear it through. Which is why all of our conversations where we kept saying, okay, we're just going to talk about this. This is how it might show up in our lives is an invitation for every single one of us to revisit, is this hiding somewhere in my life? I see myself acting it out even though I've denied shame as part of me. I see myself acting out the victim even though I've pretended like I'm not. When we see ourselves fulfilling what we have talked about on the shows. That is why it really is the kindness to ourselves, why listening to the show for our own 
experience is so vital because we may deny that we play victim until some some example is shared or something, you know, brings the awareness to us of, oh, my gosh, I do that behavior. Let me get curious about this and look at what it is that's going on with that behavior so I can discover, oh, my gosh, I've been playing the victim the whole damn time. Mm-hmm. And. And and so as we go through this week, I really invite some gentleness, some curiosity, not judgment, mm-hmm. not conclusion, not wrongness, some curiosity of where am I doing this? When do I play this out? I may only act it out when I'm around my dad. I may only act it around when I'm with strangers. I may only express it when I'm surrounded by men in a strange environment. I don't care. But unless I'm curious enough to see when that does show up, I'm not. I'm actually not willing to hack my own operating system so it so I can set that free from it because it requires that I do it. It's not actually somebody else doing it. Yeah. So I wanna I wanna give an example of um, from my own life. There were there were I've been asking the question in the chat room. Um, because there's the question is like how so how do you how do you do this? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm just going to say there isn't one way. There's going to be experiment the, the willingness to experiment. First, it starts out with the desire. I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm beginning to see where I'm playing the game, and I don't want to play the game anymore. I want off the triangle. And then it's going to require some experimentation and some and some diligence on your choice to be committed. Um, so so there isn't just one way. But I can give examples of what it looked like in my life when I started recognizing the stories that I was telling myself. Um, the, one of the biggest stories was nobody cares about me. I've I've shared this many times. Nobody cares about me. And what? How many stories do I have to have supporting that as a as a fact? I have to have a whole scaffolding of meanings and interpretations and of beliefs in order for me to continue to hold in fixed truth, nobody cares about me. People don't care about me. Mm. So I have to start looking at all of these things. And, and this is where it gets really interesting because people will defend that it's true. Well, I can give you a lifelong list of examples that I can show you to to prove the truth of my conclusion. I have come to the conclusion, based on my experience, that people don't care about me. And I can give you a lifelong list of proof so that I can defend my conclusion is true. Now, that's living on the triangle. And you can live there as long as you like. No one's ever going to make you get off. You can live there as long as you like. The only thing that's going to get you off is saying, that's not, uh, living in that despair and living in that, you know, like continuing to abuse myself in that way to continue to perpetuate all of that on myself over and over and over, day after day, week after week, month after month, I don't want to do it anymore. And then it's a matter of examining these things and starting to not allow them to hold you hostage. What, like, and it and it's it can be really confronting if you've been living something for a whole for decades and decades and decades of your life, and you've got, you know, mountains of of evidence to prove the truth of your conclusion. It can feel incredibly confronting. Okay. Your desire 
is the thing that will take you to freedom and liberation, the desire to no longer play this game anymore. So here's the thing. Here's what I mean by wanting other people to be in charge of my experience. If I believe people don't care about me, then I'm waiting. And I will and I will wait and I will wait and I will wait and I will wait and I will wait. I am waiting for someone else to prove to me that that's not true. I am waiting for someone else to be in charge of my experience. I'm literally putting my this is how we play the victim. I am taking what I ultimately am in charge of which is my life and my experience, and I'm putting it in the hands of everyone else on the planet, and I'm saying, it's your job to show me that I'm worth being cared about. It's your job. That's what you've got to do. It's you, you are now in charge of my experience. Not me, but you. You and you and you and you and you. So you, mom, and you, my sister, and you, my boyfriend, and you, my boss, and everyone else that I come in contact with, it is now your job, not mine, to show me Prove to me that I'm worth being cared about. This is what I mean by you will always be on the victim triangle if you don't take responsibility for your experience. And that's just one way I was doing it, just one tiny little way. There were bunches and bunches and bunches of them. Another one was like, um, I'm more trouble than I'm worth. There's another one. So now I need more people out there to prove to me that I'm actually not more trouble than I'm worth. So every single one of these beliefs that we have, you know, I'm not attract. My body is the right size. Here's another one I've shared. My body is the not is not the right size that will attract men. So now I'm waiting for men to come along who will be in charge of my experience and show me that in fact I can be attractive with this size body. So I am abdicating my being in command of my life, being in charge of my experience to anything and everything and everyone outside of me. And as long as I continue to do that, day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year, I will continue to be the victim because I am not taking command of my life. And this is one of the, this is how we do separation. Every single story I make up about me, I'm more trouble than I'm worth, I'm not, you know, my body's not the right size to be attractive to men. I, I mean, God, there's bazillions of them. I'm just giving you some of the ones that were really life-changing when I finally confronted them and was like, am I going to continue to live at the effect of this belief? Am I going to continue to make everyone else responsible for my experience except me? This is how we do it. Yep. And, and, and so how do, you, how do you stop? You stop. <laughs> you literally <laughs> stop doing it. You stop. You stop believing the the garbage you're feeding yourself. You stop making it other people's job to be in charge of your experience. You stop waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for someone else to prove to you the opposite of the thing that you believe. Every single judgment you have about yourself is where you create separation from you. And then you wait for someone else to prove it's not true about you. It's not their job. No one else is in charge of your experience but you. That's it. And I and I know that this is bouncing on a lot like this is this is I can feel where people are like, What is she talking about? And I've been and I'll wow, keep talking wow. about this right? And I'll keep talking about this for the rest of my life because eventually it clicks and people go, Oh my 
God. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, we have just like peeled back so many layers and I appreciate you giving so many examples. You know, there's a lot of questions and a lot of, wait, what? And a lot of, how am I doing this? Coming in and I I feel it. Like, I get it. I did it too. I remember when I was, I, I was in an experience where the actual dynamic of a coaching training was you got there and you told your story while your classmates danced on a floor-size um, diagram of the drama triangle. And they would go, according to your story, to the places that the story was depicting, like who, they acted it out. Who was playing the villain, if you were on the triangle, if you were off the triangle, if you were in allowance, if you were in judgment. Like, we got to see it play out. And it took some doing to really get comfortable with it. But, but here's what I think is so vital about this, is when I realize that everybody outside of me is playing a role, I'm not interest, as interested, I may be sometimes, it's actually kind of fun, and you can choose it if you want in engaging with them to try to change their position. Instead, because this is a habit, because this is something that we can choose every moment, I am more curious about what it is this reveals about me. Based on my reaction I want to have with them, what does it reveal about me? So, for example, when I feel dismissed or overlooked, I'm curious. Why would I take, you know, Sherry choosing to go spend time with a friend? Or why would I take somebody not acknowledging something about me to mean that I am worth overlooking and that I'm not, you know, I don't matter, whatever that is, to be validation, my proof, and value? Like, I look at that. Why am I taking that internally? What's going on internally that somebody walking through a room and not saying hello to me means that much? Mm-hmm. And so there's this nonstop thing going on for me that is about, hey, wait a minute, I can engage with this person, I can talk to them, but why is it that when they give me that side-eye look, am I interpreting that as significant of my worth and value? That, to me, is where I get really curious about life, about everything that's going on, because it's revealing what I'm, what I'm believing more than just, Maybe they thought, thought they saw a bug. You know, <laughs> it might have been nothing, but I'm making it significant because of the story I've made up about it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the key right there. The story creates the hurt, the pain. Yep. So somewhere, and usually this, these stories get created very young. We're very, very young, and, you know, like nobody cares about me. People don't care about me. You know, I could have decided that when I was three. Who knows? And then every relationship that I have for the rest of my life, I'm going to be looking for evidence to corroborate that story. Or I'm going to be waiting for someone to prove it's wrong. So, so what we do is we dance with the pain. It's already there. Like, this is the one thing that I, that I you know, said to my partner is that, because I won't play this game. I, I get this. I got this a long time ago. I'm like, I'm not playing this game anymore. I'm not doing the drama triangle. Um, 
So one of the things I said is, like, I'm not going to be responsible for your pain. You're not going to be responsible for my pain. Like, we're not going to do all this this game playing that people that people play. And um, it, it makes all the difference because I'm not using him anymore as my corroborator or my prove-me-wronger. And, and that's not to say that I haven't slipped into that probably countless times during the course of our relationship and then was able to be like, oh, I'm doing that again. And then choose off. But the story creates the pain. And one of the things that I say is, if it gets triggered, when it gets triggered, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is not his fault. He is not to blame. Because that pain that got triggered was here long before I ever met him. It's, it showed, you know, when I made the decision that I'm not, that, that, that nobody cares about me when I was three, we'll just pretend, that's when, it's, that's when it's there. It's been present in me all along. It just got triggered because now I'm interpreting something that he said or did to, be, to corroborate that story. Oh, yeah, see, here's more evidence. People don't care about me. The thing he just did proves he doesn't care about me. The thing he just said. And, you know, like, so this is what we do until we don't. The pain okay. was there long before you ever engaged with whoever the person is that's now triggering it. Yep. And the more stories yeah. we accumulate, the more pain we hold for ourselves, and then the more we dance with it in relationship to every other person. This is why some of the, some of the greatest hurts, we can say, come from our family of origin. And then we just play out that, like, you know, then we go find somebody else, and it could be coworkers, it could be friends, it could be your your partner, your spouse. And we just play out that dance with them over and over and over and over again. But it's it's been there in you all along. It started in you. It didn't come from them. They're just triggering it. The story the creates the, the pain, light on the and then we, yeah, the, exactly. The story creates the pain, and then we dance with the pain forever until we don't (laughs) until you're like enough enough of this game i don't want to dance with my own pain anymore and the thing is i recognize now that this there's there's a massive you know pain is inevitable suffering is a choice or uh, something there's some there's some saying out there somebody said and i i'm uh, that is that is completely true for me Pain is very short-lived. The story perpetuates the suffering week after week, month after month, year after year. When the story evaporates, in my experience, when I have confronted the story, and when the story, when I break the spell, and I will, I, this is the, actually the language I do. I go back to the scene of the crime. What story did I buy? I confront the story. When I no longer buy the story anymore, it doesn't exist anymore in my reality, and there's no further pain associated with it ever, 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 ever. Some people believe the best you can do is manage it. The best you can do is manage it. I'm like, I'm here to tell you that's a crock of shit. You can eliminate (laughs) the triggers forever. They can go away and be gone forever. But you have to be willing to feel everything you've been avoiding feeling. Because when I first made up that story that nobody cares about me, that created a a vast reservoir of hurt 
that I didn't want to feel. But it was from the story. So if I'm willing to feel or, I mean, you know, some, you don't even have to feel it. Sometimes you can just shift it. Boom. Sometimes it's a little more embedded and I had to be willing to feel it. And then as soon as I felt it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually just horseshit. Never was true. And then there's nothing to avoid feeling anymore because it never comes back. So I am now willing to feel the entire spectrum of everything because most of it is just my made-up bullshit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert who said something like, you know, I've never seen anybody change anything until they're willing to confront their own bullshit. They get tired of their own bullshit, and then they confront their own bullshit, and then they realize, that, oh, it's just bullshit, and then it's gone forever. It doesn't come yep. back. It doesn't haunt you. Mm-mm. No, it doesn't. And I appreciate um, somebody in the chat room revealed, like, there's a lot of conversations going on, and she said, you know, there's an entire show about this, show number 34, Making Stories Are Reality, are mm, all about yeah. this story piece. So it, it's worth thank going you. back and revisiting the story piece. So thank you so much, Tree, for letting us know what show number that was. Because Yes, thank yes, you. When we get tired of our own victim stories, we stop telling them and we stop looking for proof of them and validation of them. And therefore we stop enrolling people to play them out. Yes. Because, you know, if we decided we were the victim back when we were maybe molested as a child or our parents got divorced or, I don't know, we got beat or whatever it is, and we decided that, well, fast forward 40 years, you're not being beat. Why are you still playing Uh out the story of being beat? You're not being molested. Why are you still playing out the story of being molested? Why are you still playing out I'm a target for abuse or victimization or whatever it is? You're the one playing that story out. You're the one enrolling. You're the one dancing the, uh, you know, through the triangle with all of those who are willing to show up and say, hell, you want an abuser? I like to, you know, abuse. I'll show up and play this with you. You're the one doing that. But if we are not willing to let go of whatever it is we believed about the bullshit that happened back then and update our operating system, we will keep running that operating system. It will be in everything we do. And that's why when we say, and I know this is, I've heard this can feel a little bit harsh, when we say you are creating your reality, when we say that over and over and over and people are like, no, I'm not, but you don't understand. He did this and she said that and da 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 and you don't know my family and da-da-da. We hear you. And as long as you keep telling that story and as long as you keep buying all that goes along with that operating system, that operating system will continue to create your life. That's why we're hacking them and taking them apart and looking at all the pieces so that you can realize if you change that story, if you change your operating system, your life will become completely different. And it is your Completely. And and you are capable. This is this is one of these sneaky pieces that going goes along with this. Like, I, I one of my other beliefs was I was powerless and helpless because I looked at my mother in the in the female role in relationship to my father, and she appeared to be powerless and helpless. And and I bought 
that as the woman, as the female, like we are powerless and helpless in the face of men. I bought that. I didn't know I bought that, but I did. And um, so I, I played out that role. I played out that 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 became part of my just sort of scaffolding of, of my whole reality. And so every time I was, I mean, this is what what allowed me to live completely 100% at the effect of men for 40-some years. Because I was just like, oh, women. And I looked at my mother, and she played helpless and powerless. Now, the thing is, what I didn't get is that she was playing that role. I just I just mm-hmm. took it as irrefutable fact. It's just the way it is. I didn't get that she was doing that. She was choosing that. She was playing powerless and helpless. I was just like, oh, by definition as a woman, I'm powerless and helpless. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I kept playing that out. And, and part of what shifting all this for me was recognizing I'm capable. I'm capable of creating the change. It's actually within me to do so. It has been all along. I found I found that mm. quote by by Elizabeth Gilbert. It's her her exact quote is I've never seen any life transformation that didn't begin with the person in question finally getting sick of their own bullshit. Mm-hmm. And part of that bullshit for me was that I'm I'm powerless and helpless and I need somebody else to create my experience for me cuz I can't I need a man to do it for me because I can't. <laughs> my father created my mother's experience and pretty much, to you know, for the most part, does to this day. And I just bought that. That's how it go. That's how life is. That's how it is in partnership with men. Men are men. No more. They're greater. They're you know, in every way. And I, I had a very specific experience after my divorce that I've shared before on the show, that I was like, this can never happen again. Uh-huh. This, me believing that I'm at the effect of men, that I don't, that like, this has to stop. I, I sat in my car after a date, and I was like, that's it. I remember, like, making the demand of myself, this shit stops now. So part of this is yeah. trusting in yeah. yourself, trusting that you can make the change. Everywhere you have abdicated your power to someone or something else, everywhere you're believing you can't, I don't know how, that that thinking will just keep you on the triangle. Mm-hmm. So so the willingness to um, explore what else is possible and choose and choose and choose and choose and choose, and along the way you begin to s- discover, wow, I'm not as helpless as, and, uh, as powerless as I thought I was. Wow, I'm not as weak as I thought it was. Well, I'm not as effect- at the effect of and, – and that's part of the projection thing that you're talking about. Yep. You know, in, in, right. in, enticing yeah. other people to play the role for you. Like, I'll choose controlling men over and over and over and over so I get to see, like, see, I'm at the effect of them. I just, I just, mm-hmm. I just enlisted them to play the role that I, that, that I already believed was true. Just keep, <laughs> keep, keep choosing controlling, manipulative, um, judgmental, critical men. I did it over and over and over, and then I just got to play out. See, it's true. See, it's true. See, it's true. See, it's true. Yep. Yeah. yeah. 
what would change in your life if your story, if you realize, like somebody in the chat room, oh, my hell, my story is over. Wait a minute. Mm. No, it's not. It isn't over. It's not a conclusion. You're now living at the effect of the conclusion. Your story isn't over. You're still writing it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's boxing it up, thinking it's the conclusion, and making it the declaration and carrying it along with you that keeps you trapped in it. It's not over. You get to keep going, and you can now rewrite it. You know, you. It's everybody in the chat room is really talking about the stories, and we can rewrite them, and we can actually take a break from telling our stories to see what it is that we're believing based on a story or not, and so there's all this conversation going on, and we were like, well, it's like the alternate ending books, you know, like choose your adventure. You're going to, you know, steal the car to get away, or are you going to, you know, jump on the city bus? Where's that adventure going to take you? And you go to whatever chapter of the book that that is written to follow. And I remember this from my childhood, so I'm dating myself. But to realize your, your story isn't over, if you're listening to this newsflash, your story isn't over, and you are the author. Mm-hmm. You're it. So what would it take for you to really rewrite or write how you're going to interpret it, how you're going to revisit the past, how it's going to play out, all of that? What is it yeah. that is available for you today to create your life from this moment forward, even if it's looking yeah. back? Yeah. And I and I love the comment in the chat room. I think I should write, sit down and write. So if I could change uh, my story by me making different choices of how things made me feel, it would go like this, dot, dot, dot. And I got to tell you, my journal, 18 years worth of journaling, my journal has been one of my greatest assets in this journey. Mm-hmm. My my journal and me, <laughs> going, going through it together. Because so many times I, w- I would write my story in my journal, and that's where the examination would take place. Like I'd write the whole story out, and then I'd be like, okay, what do I have to believe about me for this to be true? What do I have to believe <laughs> for this story to be true? And then do I want to keep believing that about me? Do I want to let that, that belief hold me hostage, or, am I, or is this where the questioning starts? Is this where the inquiry starts? Whose point of view is that that I bought about me? It's amazing how somebody doesn't even have to say something to us directly. It can be a subtle side comment. I mean, I remember one of my my best friends as a as a guy, this is like in high school, and he was making all these comments about women as gold diggers. You know, only mm-hmm. out for your money kind of thing and and uh and and I remember thinking to myself, "Oh my god, I can never be like that." Cuz he was my best friend. And I wouldn't want to lose his friendship by by being uh, uh, something he was going to judge and separate from, a gold digger. He didn't say that even directly to me, but I heard him. How many times did you overhear somebody or you watched a parent interact with a, one of your siblings and you're like, oh, my God, I don't want mom to think that way about me. I don't, I don't want, so I'll never be like my sister. Mm-hmm. How many things so so where does all this stuff come from like the way we the the way we think about ourselves what does it even come from but my my journal was my greatest asset in that having me really look at what do I have to believe about me for that to be true to continue yeah. buying that story it can be incredibly useful yeah oh my goodness this has been a very, 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 very full conversation. <laughs> Again, 
and as as I look at this, as as the conversations in the chat room, as I feel it, I am so glad that we are we're continuing on, you guys. We have a whole week of this. So as you get curious about this, what is it about you that you have to believe for your story to be true that plays into the victim? This is a great week for you to actually practice, you know, looking at your operating system and see because today we're talking about victims. And tomorrow's show, actually it is a pre-record, so sorry, there won't be a live chat room. You can come over to Seducing Aliveness on Facebook page and put your comments there. But it is about villains. And then Wednesday is hero. And Thursday is safety of the drama triangle and leaving it. And then Friday we're talking about releasing control of the drama triangle. For those of you who are like, but other people are on it and I want to leave control. We're talking about all this in layers, okay? Layers and layers and layers. Because if you spend just today being curious, not going to judgment, curious, where, show me, you know, ask, giant, kindly, gently, like, show me, where am I playing victim in my life? And what, how many different ways? So that you can become aware of and look at the stories that you have to believe to play that out. And if you want to choose it or not as you move forward. If you do one at a time, it'll actually be pretty gentle for you. More gentle than if you try to do them all, you know. Because this is a big habit. This is like a lifelong habit that most of us have not even known that we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's quite interesting. So is there anything to wrap up for this show, Tamara, that's burning that we haven't said? I'm looking at my notes and saying, did we say it all? Are all the invitations there? I don't know. Anything on your end? I I think it's going to be um an unraveling throughout the rest of the week. And and I mm-hmm. I suspect um that what we're going to see no matter what part of the triangle you're on, no matter what role you're playing, villain, uh persecutor as a role, victim as a role, martyr as a role, um and then also rescuer, helper, savior as a role. I think one of the things, and I'm, it's just, I, it bears repeating as we're closing out this show, is that it all comes down to taking responsibility for our own experience. Mm-hmm. It yeah. all comes down to taking responsibility for our own experience. And I think collectively, the time now is the time. Now is the time for us collectively, as as human beings, to get off the triangle. It's time. It's time to stop Absolutely. playing wounded. It's time to stop playing wounded and 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 claim our our power and potency and what can we create from that space instead of this this um these three faces of victim yeah, absolutely well, it seems like a great week to break up with judgment, take responsibility for your life, and you know write the ending that you want by creating it so that's the invitation. Thank you, Tamara, for today and Again, tomorrow will not be a live show, but it will air tomorrow for you all, and we will be back live on Wednesday. And we are hacking the operating system of the drama drama triangle or three faces of fear, whatever you want to call it, with victim, villain, and hero. So thank you so much, and we will be back with you soon, you guys. Bye for today. Thanks, Tamara. See you then. Bye-bye.